0: Here is Pastor Micaiah. Well, if you have a copy of God's word, would you go back to the book of First Samuel First Kings? Back to First Kings. Excuse me. First Samuel. First Samuel chapter number 14. We'll be in 1 Samuel 14. And we're going to be once again studying the story that we started last week. But man, I want to say a big thank you to each and every one of you. Last week, my family and uh, we all felt so honored and appreciated. So thank you so much for the kind and generous gesture that you showed to each and every one of us. We really appreciate that. Uh, a lot of work and sacrifice went into that. So thank you so much for the uh, uh, pastors that helped make that possible. That was just great. And this week's just been a lot of fun. Any Mandalorian fans in the house? Let me see your hands. Any, any geeks? All right, there we go. Only three wanted Minute? Only three? Okay, all right. I thought a whole lot more of us would have already watched The Mandalorian and a new show. All right, how about this? Any Disney Plus fans? Any Disney Plus? You already got Disney Plus. There we go. Okay, you saw Lady and the Tramp. Okay, there we go. All right, excellent, excellent. It's just been a great week. It's been a lot of fun. And just looking forward to great things ahead. But I have to do a quick survey before we dive into the message this morning. Quick survey. How many of you say it is now appropriate and okay to be singing Christmas songs and decorating? Can I see your hands? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Excellent. Now, how many of you, here's the other side, how many of you would say it is not appropriate to be singing Christmas songs and decorating. Ooh, haters, haters. Hey, some of you raise your hand twice, twice. Hypocrite, all right? That's wrong. You're messing up my survey here, okay? All right, messing it up, okay? Well, we're glad you're here, both sides of you. Almost split the church on that one, but it's okay. It's all in good fun. Uh, If you like Christmas decorations, my wife was like, why are you putting them up so early? And I like them, and I was like, I'm gonna put them up early, she said, and they look ugly. I was channeling my inner National Lampoon's Christmas. Just put a whole mess of lights up, okay? Just get a whole mess of them. Blow the power bill, okay? Just blow the breaker. It's okay. Get the lights up. My kids like it. It's for my kids because I grew up in a household that was like, I mean, my dad was awesome, but he didn't, he didn't do the whole Christmas lights thing. So I was like, I'm going to make it up for my kids, get the Christmas lights up early. My wife won't let me turn them on, but they're there. <laughs> they're there. You didn't see when she raised her hand, it is not appropriate to uh, be singing Christmas songs, to be decorating, or to be having Christmas cheer at our home, okay? I'm just kidding. No, no, no. She's totally down with it. Uh, But she doesn't let me turn them on because she doesn't want to pay the power bill. She's like, you can look at them. Aren't they pretty? Don't they look nice? Man. Uh, So good to see you. Last week, we kicked off a series entitled Heart and Soul, and we were looking at The character of Jonathan, King Saul's son, the first king of Israel. His son's name was Jonathan. At this period in Israel's history, they are being constantly attacked by the nation of the Philistines. So much so, they're so oppressed that in the nation of Israel, only two swords existed in the entire country. King Saul and Jonathan's sword. There's only two swords. The Philistines had successfully taken away all of the weapons so that the Israelites could not... uh, take care of getting the forces of the Philistines out of their country. Now, I could preach a message on that right there, that if the enemy can take away your weapon, he can win. So what the enemy has successfully done is he separated a lot of Christians from their weapon. You say, what do you mean? I ask Christians all the time, Tell me about God's word, and they just stare at me because this right here is our weapon. Ephesians 6 calls it the sword of the spirit. Now, if you have a copy of God's word, I'm excited for you. If you do not have a, have a copy of God's word, turn on your smartphone or your tablet and download the Bible app and allow the Bible to get in and through you, okay? That's not the message I'm preaching, but I'm just saying that would preach right there. So we need to get back to where we say God's Word is a priority in our lives. There's so much to listen to. There's so much to watch. But understand, the enemy had successfully kept the nation of Israel in bondage because it took away its weapon. And God forbid that Christians, we just give up our weapon or we just let it sit on the coffee table. And we just let it sit in one of the apps that we never use. It just kind of sits there. And you are tempted when you need to take more pictures. And you take the picture and your phone says, no more memory. And you go through the apps to delete. And you're like, hmm, Angry Birds or the Bible? And some of you have been in this situation. You're like, am I gonna get struck by lightning for what I'm about to delete? You know, it's like, God forgive me, right? Because you went with Angry Birds. Dumb. Come on, it's all about Candy Crush, not Angry Birds, all right? Come on, if you gotta pick one, pick a good one, okay? But it's interesting how the enemy will separate us from our weapons. So there's only two swords in the nation of Israel, King Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan sees that right now they're being oppressed. And so what Jonathan decides to do while his father is sitting with 600 soldiers under a pomegranate tree, he decides to take decisive action. And so he says to his armor bearer, who, by the way, if there was only two swords, King Saul has one and Jonathan has the other, that means your armor bearer has nothing. And then King, uh, uh, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, hey, let's go up and let's attack a garrison of 20 soldiers. And it's amazing. This unnamed, unarmed armor bearer says to Jonathan, you crazy fool. No, he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he said, I am with you, heart and soul. And that's where we kicked it off. That, that, that attitude that just says, hey, I'm with this. I'm with you in this. That we have people that just say, "I'm God, I'm with you, heart and soul. I'm in on the mission, the vision that you have me, have me called to. Last week, there were some people, I heard the story, and uh, they couldn't decide on what restaurant. And so one of them looked at the other and said, just pick one. I'm with you, heart and soul. I was like... That's that's all right. I, I, I was hoping for bigger than I'm with you on a restaurant. You know, like I was hoping for bigger things like want to go on a mission trip. I'm with you heart and soul. You know, you want to go uh, tell the lost and poor about Jesus with you, heart and soul. You Want to go to Denny's or Chili's? I'm with you heart and soul. Like, really? I, we need to work on it. So we're going to work on it today. We're going to work on it a little bit today. So last week we talked about moving on a perhaps. Because Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps God will work for us. And it was after that statement, his armor-bearer still said, I'm with you, heart and soul. So last week, we learned to move on a perhaps. This week, I want to look at moving by purpose. So let's once again, let's look at our passage in 1 Samuel 14. Verse number four, let's pick it up. The Bible says, to reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sina. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outposts of these pagans, Jonathan said to his armor-bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor-bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, can we say it together, heart and soul. All right then, Jonathan told him. We will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are, or will kill you, then you will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outpost and raiding parties. And just an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. People can do a lot for you, can't they? They can do a lot for you. But one thing people can't do for you is they cannot believe for you. You see, the armor bearer said, I believe in you, Jonathan, but I can't believe for you. You see, this morning, many of us, we struggle to reach all that God wants us to reach because we don't believe. That's what limits us. And so Jonathan's armor bearer said, I believe in you, but I can't believe for you. That's why As awesome as verse 7 is, where he said, I'm with you heart and soul, verse 8 is just as much equally impactful. You say, why? Because Jonathan said, all right then, we will cross over and let them see us. We'll show ourselves to the enemy. We'll make ourselves vulnerable to them. This took faith. This took belief that God was going to meet and that God was going to move on that maybe. And so Jonathan here steps out. And Jonathan does what I say. He pursues his perhaps. It's one thing that you have a perhaps in your life that God might work. But Jonathan said, guess what? We're going to pursue that. We're going to go forward. And this morning, the thing that's going to limit you and that's going to limit me is belief. Believing that God will help us. Believing that God will move. Because we live in a day and age, we want proof, not a promise. We want proof that we're going to be paid back the money we loaned to somebody. We want proof that our teenager is going to bring the car back at 11 o'clock. We want proof that when we see something and we say something to somebody and they say, it's okay, we say, I want proof, not just a promise that you're you're going to do this. That's the world we live in. And yet we take that mentality, and it is a mentality, and we bring it to God. And we're constantly asking God to keep proving himself. When God says, is not a promise enough? Because God, in his word, says, I can swear by no name greater than myself, for there is no other name greater than me. He said, I give you my word, I give you myself. There is no greater name uh, whereby men must be saved. And so he's saying, hey, I'm that promise. So Jonathan decides, I'm going to move on a perhaps. I will have an armor bearer that believes in me, but he can't believe for me. You may be married here, you may have somebody that believes in you, but they can't believe for you. You may be single here, and you may have a great friend, and that friend encourages you, and that friend believes in you, but guess what? That friend cannot believe for you to take that big step that God is calling you to take. That's on you. You, this morning, have to pursue your perhaps. Many people are stuck instead of pursuing they are stuck because they're waiting for that promise. They're waiting for God to say, you know what, I need just a little bit more reassurance. You know, nothing starts happening until someone starts doing something. And so the nation of Israel is quite figuratively and literally, between a rock and a hard place. There's two mountains. There's the garrison. His father's behind him sitting under a pomegranate tree, resting. And Jonathan has a decision. And nothing was about to change in the nation of Israel until Jonathan said, guess what? Nobody can believe for me. I have to do this. You see, nothing's going to change in your family. Nothing's going to change in your life. Nothing's going to change in your circumstances until you say, I believe. And pursue the perhaps. You see, the moment we decide to make things change, that's when they change. You see, Jonathan saw a challenge, but then Jonathan also took a chance. It's one thing to see the problem. Anybody can point out problems. That's a dime a dozen. It's somebody that says, I see a problem. Guess what? Let me step out and see what I can do about it. Let me make a difference here. Let me be a David who says, I got five smooth stones. You know what's interesting about the story of David? How many remember the story of David and Goliath? Let me see your hands real quick. You know the story of David and Goliath? I was reading it this past week, and it's interesting. David killed Goliath with a sling, right? Here's what's interesting. When he went to King Saul, did he tell King Saul, I'm a crack shot with a slingshot? No. As a matter of fact, Scripture says, he said, I grabbed a lion by its beard and I snapped its neck. Okay, that's pretty savage. That's pretty cool. I mean, if you're dating a guy like that, like, that's awesome. You know, like, that's cool. Uh, I ain't that guy. I mean, I want to be that guy, but I'm just not, you know. Uh, that's an intimidating dude. But here's what's crazy. David never told King Saul, I'm really good with the slingshot, which leads me to believe he decided to get a new weapon. Like, we just assume David's just awesome with the slingshot. How do you know that? Scripture didn't tell us. Scripture told us he actually used a club and he snapped the neck. That's what Scripture tells us. So sometimes you have to step out on something that's new and unknown. And you say, I'm going to do something I've never done before. Hey, we're gearing up to a new season of serving. We're gearing up to a new serving of giving. We're gearing up for a new season where God's going to work in this next decade like he's never worked before. And that's what we're gearing up for. So it's going to take you and I to pursue the perhaps. Not staying stuck and saying, I'm just going to wait for a promise. Because that's what Saul was doing. And we're going to get there because Saul's going to ask for the ephod. And the ephod was this thing that they would pray with, that they would hear from God. And he's just sitting there just waiting for God to do something where God's like, hey, how about you move? And how about I meet you there? And so we need to pursue on it, perhaps because there's three different types of people in this story. There is Jonathan, and he's the type of person that makes things happen. Then there's Saul. He's the type of person that is waiting for things to happen. Then we'll meet a third character, and that's the scout. The scout is the guy who once all Philistines are breaking out and attacking each other. He's the one that's saying, I wonder what's happening. And there's three types of people in this room. There are those who are making things happen in your family, making things happen in your job, making things happen in your relationship, making things happen in your community, making things happen for the work of God. Then there are those you're just waiting for something to happen. And once you see that, oh, it's a bandwagon, 49ers doing good, 49ers represent, come on yeah, look at me, Uh uh-huh, yeah, whatever, whatever, bandwagon, oh my goodness, you know, you're just waiting for something to happen, as soon as something starts happening, then you're on board, you're looking for what's popular, what's hip, what's trending, God has never been the one that's trending, all right, And we don't wait for God to trend to follow in obedience. And so you may be a Saul in this room. You're waiting for something to happen, and God is pulling you out of that. Or you're the third character. What happened? I don't know. What's going on? What, what are we doing? Huh? What's happening? What's happening? Where are we going? I'm lost. How are you lost? We're at war, man. We're at war? You're a scout. I'm a what? That's amazing. How did I get here? Whoa. You're just lost, all right? He is it, It's crazy. And so we need to say, God, help me to move into that person that you want me to be. But here's the thing. You and I, we often feel like, man, when I step out for God, it's always a sure thing. It's a sure bet. I should feel so confident in knowing what God has me to do. I should just feel it in my very bones. Here's the thing. This verse says, hey, let's move on to perhaps. And guess what? That's what faith feels like. A lot of people say, hey, faith and doubt cannot coexist. Actually, I think they're married to each other. I think they are. There has never been a time in my life where I was like, oh, I'm 100 about this. I mean, this is a for sure thing. Like somebody telling you, hey, you should buy this stock. It's a for sure thing. No, uh, uh-uh, it's not. It's not. Unless you know something I shouldn't. Otherwise, you know, you might be going to jail if you know too much. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. Okay. So it, it, you and I, we step out. we like, oh, well, it's a for sure thing. No, it's not. You see, faith, I've heard, is operating in the unknown. That's where we step out. That's where faith comes in. You see, doubt has always been the constant companion of destiny. So sometimes you say, well, I'm sure about this. There's only two things I've actually been sure about, two things in my entire life. Out of everything that God has called me to do, there's only two things, that I'm sure of my salvation and I'm sure of the woman I married. Those are the only two things I'm really sure about. That's it. That is it. I've been following God for a long time. You say, Pastor Makai, you got a church and three kids. I ain't sure about either of those, either of them, especially about my kids. I'm still trying to figure out if that was of God, all right? Man, you see them about three o'clock in the afternoon, you will know they are not of God, okay? (laughs) Crabby and all get out, my goodness. Pray of demons out of my children, okay? See, we have to say, you know what, I'm not going to wait for everything to have to feel exactly right. Because guess what, faith sometimes feels like that. Sometimes when I bring my tithe to God and I'm kind of stepping back and saying, hmm, I really would like to get a new car. But guess what, God, I'm going to tithe. God, I would really like to do this. But you know what, there's this mission trip. God, I'd really like to do this. And sometimes it doesn't always feel great. Sometimes getting up and going to church doesn't always feel great. Why do we always wait for our feelings? Hey, faith leads, feelings follow. Faith leads, feelings follow as we pursue our perhaps. As we say, God, there's nothing certain. And so you know what I always pray? I always pray two things. God, would you give me grace and mercy with this decision? You know what mercy is? Mercy is saying, God, I pray that you would spare me from what I deserve. I deserve death. I deserve sin. That's what I deserve. Spare me from that in this decision. And God, would you give me grace? Grace is getting what I don't deserve. God, I'm about to walk into this job interview. Would you show me grace and mercy? Would you give me what I don't deserve? And would you spare me from what I do deserve? God, would you, as I go into my parenting, as I go into this relationship, God, as I go into this new job, as I go into this new season, God, I'm praying grace and mercy all over this situation. And so, Jonathan, he's moving a perhaps, and we need to pursue our perhaps. But you say, Pastor, I still can't just pursue it because I still don't know why I'm pursuing it. Do you know what Jonathan's really pursuing? It wasn't just faith. He was pursuing his purpose, and purpose is everything this morning. Purpose is why we exist. It's why we do what we do. You see, God was showing Jonathan a greater purpose, but you and I, we don't always see the purpose, do we? Sometimes we don't know that that step taken to church opened up a door to greater purpose. We don't see it yet because guess what? Purpose doesn't always just show up in a beautiful package. It's not like an Amazon Prime delivery truck just kind of shows up, ding, dong, knock, knock. Here you go. Here's your purpose. I wish it was that easy, but that's not always how purpose works, is it? Purpose sometimes reveals itself in steps and stages. As I keep walking with the Lord, I start seeing things. You know, today, it's interesting with all of our new innovation, new technology, how the old stuff has become retro, cool again. Kind of like, remember the old cameras that you just snap a button, man, the old Polaroid, and it would take a picture? Aren't those cool? Hey, I brought a Polaroid this morning, and it's cool how retro has come back in, man, a little pol- Polaroid. It's cool how everything nowadays, you can just kind of, like, it's all coming back. Like, if you save your old uh, Polaroid camera, it's back. It's, it's style. It's a cool camera. So here's what I want everybody to do. Just smile for me real quick. This is, like, old school selfies, okay? Old school. Okay, there we go. I got one. But it's, it's, it's small. It's, it's, it's kind of small. So check out this picture. Check it out. Check it out. I love this picture. This is going to be a great picture. You all smile so beautiful. We have the best looking church. It's a great looking picture. Check out this picture. Isn't that a good picture of you guys? You like my picture? You like my picture? What's wrong? You guys look like you're just staring at nothing. (laughs) Oh, you got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. It's a white picture. Maybe we gotta take some more. Maybe you guys just didn't smile or something. Maybe you guys, maybe somebody in that camera was not giving some love or something. I mean, let's get this section over here. Let's take another picture. How about you all smile? Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. A little bit better. A little bit better. Let's see if this one turns out. Let's see if this one turns out. Spinning. It's like, nope, we're done. We're done. Camera's out. But you know what? Here's the thing something is happening with this picture. Something is happening. Something's happening with it. You see it? It's starting, to, it's starting to take shape. You see, you didn't see it right away. Because remember, that's how a Polaroid works. It's how a Polaroid works. You don't get the picture like when you're on Insta, okay? All right, it takes a minute. It's coming into focus. Some of you are in a little bit too much of a hurry. Where you gotta go? Where you gotta be? All right, Niners don't play till later. You're okay, just chill. But here's the thing. That's how purpose is. Purpose operates like a Polaroid. It takes some time. You and I, in our instant life, our quick drive-through moments, want God to pour out his blessing, pour out his favor, do it now, right now, not later, not tomorrow, give me a husband, give me a wife, give me a house, give me a job, give me money now, and we don't take the time to say, God, purpose is like a Polaroid. It's going to take some time to develop. It's going to take some time to become what I want to see. So God, I'm not going to give up in pursuing the perhaps. I got to keep going because purpose is like a Polaroid, and it's developing, and a Love that we're developing. God is developing not only my purpose, but he's developing me for my purpose. Some of you got to your purpose now, it would kill you. It would crush you. I used to watch all my friends getting married. I was like, man, I'm ready for a wife. I'm ready for a wife. I'm ready for a wife. And then I'm married 10 years in. I'm not ready for a wife. I'm not ready for a wife. I'm not ready for a wife. What was I thinking? I was like, man, I need a house. Need a house. Soon as I get a house. Soon as I get a house. Can't wait to get a house. I finally got a house. You know the house? Actually, I don't own it. It owns me. The pipes are breaking. The roof is leaking. The furnace is out. Kids are writing on the walls. Oh, my goodness, this thing is expensive. Then we've done bought a money pit. What did we get ourselves into? Because too often we are rushing and we need to say, God, your timing is perfect. So, God, let me trust your timing. Let me trust your will. And so God was trying to say, so Jonathan, I'm going to deliver the nation. But guess what? It's not going to be like what you think it's going to be. So you need to trust my purpose and my plan because my purpose is like this Polaroid it's developing it's in process and as you take a step in the unknown god says guess what i'm working in that step so you keep stepping into that unknown you keep saying god i'm going to move on like this polaroid god i'm going to keep stepping into it but here's what i love about the polaroid it was invented by a guy in 1947 This guy invented the Polaroid. His name was Edward Land. And the process to get this picture to where you see a picture, you know what it's called? It is called the Polaroid Land's process. You say, what is that exactly? I don't know, but Wikipedia did. So here's what (laughs) Wikipedia said. Wikipedia said what happened in the Polaroid land process that he invented in 1947, he takes the negative, which is on the back, and then he takes a positive, which is on the front, and then he makes it go through two wheels in the camera, smashing the two together, taking the negative and the positive, smashing them together. Taking a negative and a positive, smashing it together. Taking a negative, taking a positive, smashing it together. He took the cross and the grave. He put it together. You got a resurrection. He took the grave and he took a resurrection. He took your trial and he turned it into a treasure. He took this down moment. He took a negative and said, "I'm going to meet it with the positive." So guess what? If you're in the development stage, you've only hit the negative. God's about to bring in the positive. You just got to wait. God's going to bring it. God's going to bring it. Touch your neighbor and shake him. And say. God's going to bring that positive. He's going to bring that positive. Right now, it's just a negative, but God's going to bring that positive. You're just going through the process. And I love the way that it says it goes through two rollers. Did Jonathan go through two things? Do you remember? What was on one side and what was on the other? It was two mountains. There was Bozes and Sina. One was called thorns. The other was called mud, basically. So he was in between a thorny place and a muddy place. Both are bad, and Scripture tells us that he and his armor bearer had to climb on all fours. You see, here's what happens. You and I start pursuing God, and the moment we have to get on all fours and get dirty, we want to quit. Because here's what I need to tell you. Please write it down. Please put it on your Insta put it somewhere, slap it on your forehead, that progress never looks pretty. It never looks pretty. If you are in progress right now, it ain't pretty. Nobody's looking at you and saying, whoa, look at you at the gym. Don't you just look so nice? No, you look ugly, sweat dripping off. You smell bad, you know. You're all sore. You're crabby. you angry. And you just, no, 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 because why? Progress ain't pretty. It ain't. So here's what happens. Most of the time, people find us in the middle of a climb right now mom you're in the middle of a climb you got kids screaming at your ears people poking you and touching you i don't know why little kids they like to go up to their mom and they just touch them just touch them just touch them and then it ruins it for the husband when they get home and they want to touch them all right you kids no don't touch them all right leave them alone all right and then what happens they's always touching so when you get home the husbands get home they don't want no more touching All right, so we got to deal with this specifically in my house, okay? My house, help me out. All right, so understand that there's these little things. You are in the middle of your climb. Somebody say, man, those kids, guess what? You're in the middle of the climb. Yeah, it's going to take some years before those kids grow up out of the house, out of college, and all of a sudden they get kids just like they were, and all of a sudden God works it all out. God works it all out. Hey, you say, man, I am single. I am looking for a husband. You're in the middle of the climb. Don't give up right now. You're in the middle of the climb. You're just climbing. Don't give up. I'm looking for a wife. You're in the middle of the climb. I'm looking for a job. You're in the middle of the climb. Don't give up. I'm looking for a good church. Well, you found it. Stop climbing, all right? Stop climbing. Just quit climbing. You You found it. You found it. The climb is done. You reach the top, put your flag at the top. It's there. You won. All right? That climb is done. Congratulations. Pat yourself on the back. It's all good. But yet so many times we're frustrated that we're in the middle of the climb. And we feel like, God, what am I doing wrong? You're doing nothing wrong. Because that's how faith feels. Faith doesn't always feel good. And I wish we would just get over that. There are so many times I just want faith to be easy, faith to feel good. And God's like, that's not called faith. That's called flesh. That's all you. That's all you. Because the most challenging times are when we are stepping out between the difficult. You see, you need to understand your purpose is not static. It's not staying there. God says purpose is not static. It's dynamic. So we got to move towards it. we got to move. And so we just can't stay here. You see, you have a purpose, and a lot of people want to tell you otherwise. Did you notice what the Philistines said to Jonathan? Come on up here. We'll teach you a lesson. We'll show you what's up. There's a lot of naysayers in your life. There's a lot of people who tell you what your purpose is. But I want you to understand that God said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And God said in Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. God said, hey, I have a perfect plan for you. My purpose will be fulfilled in your life as you keep climbing. So you need to just keep staying on that path, that climb this morning. Because God said, I gave you a purpose before they gave their opinion. Because a lot of people have opinions. And it's time you say, you know what, God, your opinion is the only one that matters. That's the opinion I'm going to. That's the one I'm gonna rest on. So, but here's the tough part about this to see your purpose clear, you gotta get closer. You gotta get closer. And that's the climb. So, you know, we gotta commit to that climb. We've gotta right now this morning say, you know what, I'm gonna commit to the process of persistence. Because a lot of people wanna quit when it gets tough. When it gets rough, that's when we say, you know what, this, this process isn't exactly easy. I need to find something a little bit easier, a little bit simpler. I want something that just kind of comes natural, something that, that just kind of always feels great. There's a book written by Robert Iger. Anybody know who Robert Iger is? If you have Disney Plus, you need to thank Robert Iger. Because Robert Iger is the CEO of Disney. He just wrote a book. You don't need to read a book. You just need this one quote. I'm going to save you about $18 and a good 12 hours. Here's the quote. There is not enough success in all the world to take away my insecurity. That's coming from Bob Iger. You know how much money he made last year? $65 million. And he in his book said, there's not enough success in all the world to take away my insecurities, which tells me who I'm a little bit shy of 65 mil. If you have it, may I borrow some? Just a little bit, a little bit, just four or five mil, just a, just a bit. I promise I'll pay you back on maybe. But here's the thing. If a guy like that who's achieved the pinnacles of success, which there were people saying you need to be the next president he said no to it he wrote this book he's worth all kinds of money if he's saying you know what there's not enough success to take away my insecurity which tells me that there'll be moments where I'm supposed to step out it's not going to feel great it's not going to feel easy so if you're waiting for it to be easier guess what it's never going to be there there's never going to be a better moment than right now so Jonathan said I guess I got to move and he was in that process of saying you know what? I got to move And so he wasn't going to get worried about getting stuck. He said, I'm going to move. And he moved because he believed that the blessing in front of him was bigger than the battle behind him. And you and I, we have to have that belief. Remember what I said? It's good to have people around you. They can do a lot for you, but they can't believe for you. They can believe in you, but they can't believe for you. And so Jonathan had to believe that the blessing ahead of him was bigger than the battle behind him. And you have to believe the same thing, that, God, I am pressing towards something. I am working towards something, and I believe it is bigger than the battles that are behind me. I believe there is something bigger, and that's what I'm reaching towards. Otherwise, you end up like Jonathan's father Saul, sitting under a pomegranate tree. You say, what about him? You see, when you stay where you are, you stay who you are. And if you're not willing to move out of that place of comfort, you'll stay there. You see, in verse 45, we don't have time to get there. The nation of Israel called Jonathan a hero. He saved Israel. He caused a rout where they got the troops to rally, and they were able to defeat the Philistines. And they gave the glory to not King Saul, but they gave it to his son Jonathan and Jonathan became a hero. Why? Because he was willing to get out of that place. He was willing to step out. Let me give you a simple way, okay? This is a shameless plug. Hey, on December 1st, instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to sit back and just kind of watch what happens. You know what? Plug me in. Put me in. Where's a tree? Where's a sign? Where is some coffee? Where is some hot chocolate? Where is a a greeter tent? Where is an ushering? Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I want to serve. I want to move. I want to be a part of something. I'm not just here to sit in the sidelines. I'm not just one of the 40,000 that's going to watch the 12 on the field do all the work. So sign up, say, I want to get involved. Hey, we're coming up on the end of the year. We're getting ready to bring an offering to God at the end of the year. And I don't want us to sit on the sidelines and be like, yeah, everybody, give, 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 give. No, 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 I want to be a part of that. I want to be praying towards that. I want to say, God, what can you do? Because when you stay where you are, you stay who you are. And Jonathan said, guess what? I'm not going to do that. You see, you and I, we have a default mode, and that is to remain the same. That's our default mode. We all have it. We were created with the default mode, and it's to remain the same. Yes, I'm good. What I did yesterday worked good today. What I ate yesterday, I'll eat it again today. What I, what I wore yesterday, hopefully not, I'll wear it today. You know? <laughs> well, who I was yesterday, I don't need to change. But here's the thing. Everything around you is changing. Life is changing. Your job is changing. Your spouse is changing. Your boyfriend's changing. Your girlfriend's changing. Your friends are changing. Everybody's changing. And you're saying, "No, no, I just want to stay the way it is. I just want to I want to keep things the way they are." What you're really saying is, "I don't want to grow. I don't want to develop. I don't want to mature. I want to stay the same." No, no. It's funny. You don't want that for a two-year-old. It'd be unnatural and unhealthy for a two-year-old not to grow and develop. It'd be unnatural. You got people saying, hey, no, no, where's my bottle? Where's my blanket? You're 27. Let's, let's cut that out. It's embarrassing. They say, I'm not embarrassed. Well, I am. You're 27. Come on. So all of a sudden we say, you know what? I need to move on. I need to say, God, I'm going to pursue that perhaps because that perhaps is really leading me to my purpose. And my purpose is like that Polaroid. It's going to be developed over time. As I take these negatives and you smash it together with that positive, God, you will do something great. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com connect.